0: Again, it's great to see everyone here today. I'm so glad that you could come out. Uh, I think today is an important Sunday because we are God's people and he called us together in his house to worship and that's what makes it an important Sunday. <sighs> I have so many stories that God has written in my life and there's one in particular that I don't like to share. It's not a bad story. Um, it's just a personal story. And uh, normally, normally I, I try to let my wife know when I share this story just so that she knows in advance because it's about an old friend of mine. But God didn't really give me the time today to, to do that. So I wanted to talk to you today about a vision that I had many, many, many years ago when I first came to Christ. That it was just absolutely amazing how this vision occurred to me and how it grew over time. And what I learned about God helping me and my personal duty along the fulfillment of that vision. Today's passage of Scripture comes from the book of Proverbs, chapter 4, verses 20 through 27. The word of God says, my son, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words and do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart. For they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Keep your mouth free of perversity and keep corrupt talk far from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you and give careful thought to the path for your feet and be steadfast in all your ways and do not turn to the right or to the left. Keep your feet from evil. This is the word of God for the people of God be to God. Father God will come before you today and we thank you for giving us this opportunity to gather in your house and Father God I just ask that on this day that, that you give us words of hope and inspiration words that, that help will inspire us to, to move forward in our lives to seek you and to understand the walk that you have for us Father on this day I ask that you remove from me any desire to speak my own words but empty me and fill me with your spirit that every word I speak would be a word that's pleasing to you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Vision is something that it scares people. we talked about that in... Wednesday night a little bit, because when we hear the word vision, we automatically think that that something has got to change. And and that's not necessarily true as we discussed, and I won't rehash on Wednesday nights, but, but as we discussed, vision can be simply holding on to what I already know. That is my purpose in life. But vision is also something that we work toward to achieve in a future state. Vision is not a word to be scared of. It's a word to celebrate because it says in and of itself that God is present, that that he's given you a purpose, not just for that moment in time, but, but for your future days down the road. And when I first came to Christ, God gave me a vision. And that vision scared me. And Here's why. There was a lady that I was involved with before coming to Christ. And it was not a healthy relationship Anyway, you looked at it. Her life was on a path of destruction that that was even more destructive than my own. So when that relationship came to an end, I left her and I returned to God. And and if you remember the story that I told you when I first came in, I was intoxicated and I drove my car, through a stop sign into a bunch of trees and almost died on the roadside. I made my way to somebody's house only because in the darkness of the night God was merciful enough to put before me a light no bigger than a pen but it was enough to get my attention and cause me to move forward until I found safety and it was that night that, that really caused me to, to separate from that person. And I did, and I gave my life to God, and I committed to, to going to wherever he sends me to, to do whatever he wanted me to do. And let me tell you, the first place God sent me to act in service to him was the greatest place that I have ever been. And I will tell you, and I say this honestly, the greatest honor I have ever had was to be the janitor at North Metro First Baptist Church. Because that was the first place God sent me in service after receiving a call. He gave me, of all people, the opportunity to take care of his house. And I thought that was the greatest thing in the world. And one day, while, while I'm out in the property, taking care of the outside, this idea came into my mind and her name came to me and it said, Terry. And I stopped. And I said, no, I'm putting separation between me and that person because that person is unhealthy and we don't want unhealthy people in our lives because they bring us down. They they stop us from experiencing all that God has for us. But that name stayed with me. Day after day after day. And one day I decided this. That if I can't get rid of the name, then I'll do what the scriptures tell me to do. To pray for that person. And I did. I I started out on this venture of praying and not knowing really what would happen because does God really answer prayer? That is our question Do our prayers just go up to heaven or do they just make us feel comfortable for a moment? Now, in my vision, I was convinced that God answers prayers. I knew that in that moment of time that that what I was asking for was not against the will of God. I knew at that moment of time that no matter what the circumstances seemed like, that there would be a day that my prayer would be answered, whether I was present or not, that that person would come to Christ and change their life. And time went by. It didn't happen in just a moment because we are people, are we not, that, that we want it right here, right now. That's how we want our answers. That's how we want our lives fixed. That's how we want our businesses to operate. But God doesn't operate like that. He teaches patience. And mercy and understanding. So long story short, I spent six months of my life praying for this girl. And I went to the pastor, one of the pastors of this church. And I told him and I shared with him my experience. And he said, you know what, Tommy? You're wasting your time. It's not going to happen. She's too far gone. There is no way that this person will ever come to God. And if they do, they will never change their lives because the habits that they have created at that point in time have already taken root in their spirit. They will never change. Tommy, stop wasting your time. Go live the life that God gave for you. And I couldn't get the educated man of God to understand that the purpose in my life was to serve God and in praying for her and caring for her, even in her absence, was exactly what God called me to do. And the day came some six months or so later that that God spoke to my heart, and he said, write this girl a letter and explain to her what's going on in her life. Now, I've not seen this person in a year. So I sit down, and I write a very truthful letter. Very truthful. And I did all I could to write it without judgment. And I did not expect to hear from this person because if if any person, if if any of you or, or anyone else that I have ever known would have written me a letter like that, truthful about the condition of my life, I probably would be too ashamed to face you. But I wrote the letter and I sent it to her. And within a week's time, I get a postcard from her. It says, You're right. And I need to speak to someone. So I got in contact with the lady who operates, or at that time operated the ministry for single moms and she went out to Cumming, Georgia multiple times to to see this girl on her lunch break and to talk to her and she would come back and report to me what would happen. She said, Tommy, I have never in my life seen anyone under this much conviction. She would sit there and cry every time I mentioned the name of Jesus. Because God God is calling and moving in her spirit to come forward out of darkness and into light, and she won't let go. And everybody was ready to give up on her then, even though that we had made this one step forward in progress. Those who knew about it were continuing to say this, it's time to stop, let it go, and move on with your own life. But my vision, regardless of what anyone else thought, regardless of what anyone else said, regardless of what relationships it cost me, were more important to me because my relationship to God and my commitment to God is more important to me than my relationship to man. I've got to please God in the fulfillment of my vision. So, this particular Sunday came, and, and I walked into church, and, and that preacher comes up to me again, and he pats me on the back, and he says, Tommy, I see you're still hopeful, but you've got to let go. So, church began, and the preacher got up after the singing, and he began preaching his sermon. And about the time he got maybe four or five sentences into it, he said, I don't know what's going on, but, but I've got to stop preaching on what I'm preaching now and start preaching about the exchange life. And at that time, I was sitting on the back row of the church. I turned around. That person that they said would never change their life, that person that they said would never come to God, that person that they all kept saying, stop Chasing fantasies, stop chasing visions and live your life, leave her alone, walked into that church at that moment in time. Can you imagine that? The preacher stood there unknown, because this is a different pastor than the one I was talking to. They had multiple preachers there. But this pastor stood in his pulpit unknowing what was going on in anyone's life and said, I have got to stop preaching on this message and start preaching on the exchange life. At the same time, this person who was lost walks into the church. Is that not an amazing thing? And for four weeks, he preached her life from the beginning to the point that she was at. And for four weeks, He gave an altar call, and for four weeks, she refused to walk that aisle because her lover was outside in the parking lot waiting for her to come out. He would not dare set foot in the church. And something happened. There came a particular weekend a few weeks later. She was going to Orlando, Florida to see her children because that's where her children lived. And she called me that evening on her way home from work as she was getting ready to go to Florida, and she was tormented, and she was crying, and she was scared to death, and she was telling me, Tommy, I do not know what's going on in my life. I don't know what's happening All I know is something is about to happen, and I am scared to death. And I told her, this is what I need you to do. I need you for first and foremost to call on the name of Jesus. And I promise you, people, this is exactly what has happened, that when I said those words, there were a million words voices what sounded like screaming out in terror coming over that telephone line and then out of all those voices i heard one voice above all that said leave the girl alone she belongs to me and then the line disconnected satan does not want us to fulfill the visions that god has put in our lives because it changes the lives of other people and it changes our lives, and it causes us to give more glory to God for all that he has done. Four times that weekend, she tried to call me. She couldn't understand that you can't call on a person to change your life. You can call on a person to to help you along. You can call on a person to, to share your stories, to help carry your burdens. But if you want change in your life, and I mean real change in your life, you call on the name of God. And she couldn't understand that. And four times she tried to call me that weekend from Orlando. And every time that I was picking up the phone, she was hanging up the phone. And that last time, she couldn't do it anymore. That last time, in all places, at a payphone. For those of you that remember those things, her spirit was broken. And she called on the name of Christ. And she came back from Orlando so. Changed that her own people did not recognize who she was because God did such a wonderful and mighty work in her life. Her mother would tell me, I don't know who this person is. What did you do? I did nothing. God did it. The people in her workplace would say, I don't even know who this person is. She doesn't act like she used to act like. What happened? She had an encounter with Jesus Christ. Her ex-husband, Calls me from, from Orlando and said, I don't know what you did, but she has never been this nice. It wasn't me. It was Jesus Christ. Because Scripture is true. That when we come to Christ, we are a new creation. All things old have passed away and all things become new. The way we see the world, the the eyes with which we look at, everything looks different. We sense it different. We feel it different. And that's what God does in our lives. But it requires following your vision what does any of this have to do with that proverb that I just read to you my son pay attention to what I say and turn your ear to my words it says this that, that when god calls you to a purpose that it doesn't matter what your family or your friends think about it we pay attention to what god is saying to us you see i can't call you to a purpose And I can't provide for you a path. Only God can do that. My intent up here and my purpose up here, though I sometimes stray from it, I know is not to tell you what to do. But that you have an experience with God and that you hear his words as they are spoken to your heart through the Holy Spirit. That you pay attention to what the Spirit says. Joseph, that we started talking a little bit about last week, had that experience. You know what? He was sold into slavery by his brothers. And he was sent to Egypt where, where he lived life good for a little while. He became the overtaker or the overseer of Potiphar's household his entire house but but tragedy struck joseph he was accused of an action that that he didn't do and but because of the accusation and the power of that accusation and who that accusation came from joseph once again faced adversity he was taken from a life of wealth and a life of of comfort, and thrown into prison. Now, I don't know about you, but but I'm going to tell you how I feel about that. I don't feel good about that. As a Christian, when I look at that experience, I'm thinking in my mind, this is how I'm going to act as a person. I am going to rise up in righteousness, and I am going to be the holy person that I should be, and I am not going to complain about what God has brought before me. I enjoyed the pleasures that I had while I had them. Now I don't. I'm still going to be the same person. That's who I see in my mind that I am. But in reality, as people, what happens is that we experience a separation of lifestyles. What was once comfortable is now gone, and and I'm out here in this world that I just don't know about anymore. Everything that I, I depended on was gone, and my real, true response to that It's going to be, I don't want this to happen. I'm going to come back here and try and get back what I had. But but no, God says you're not going back to get what you had. You're here now, and I don't like where I'm at. And that's where God is talking to us here. Pay attention to what I say, Tommy. Listen, calm down. Rejoice. And again, I'm going to tell you, rejoice because you're not in a bad place. You are in a place where you're being structured for something greater. Remember, Joseph had a vision. He told his brothers. That's what got him into this mess to start with. They were binding sheaves together, and Joseph said to his brothers, Look, my vision, my sheaves stood up, and yours stood up and bowed to me. And the brothers became upset, thinking that, that their younger brother, that they didn't like to start with, was going to be in charge of them one day. That's how he got there. That's how he got sold into slavery. He had to remember his vision. And he had to trust that that God was going to help him fulfill it. And this is where God helps us. And and this is what we don't understand about life sometimes. And it's hard to to grasp. And even when we do grasp it because of who we are, it's hard to hold on while we're walking through this process of getting to where we want to get to. And that is this, that where we are is not by accident. It is by design. God knew 600 years ago that where I am at today is where I was going to be at today and he worked in every circumstance to get me to where I'm at today. Does that mean that he created every hardship in my life? No, it did not. And it does not mean that God created tragedy for me. But I do think that that he looks into the future, and he sees the possibility of what others can do, and bad things happen to good people. That's all there is to it. But God took what was bad and what could have been worse and gave me protection. so that what I experienced I think is so horrible could have been a lot worse. And when I pay attention to the words that God says, where he says, I will never leave you nor forsake you, that I can find comfort in that. And I think that's what Joseph did. And he went and he took his prison term, and he took it serious, as serious as man could, And while he was there, he gained favor from the warden who allowed him to be a trustee. Now, I don't know if any of you have ever been in a prison. I've been in one because I worked in one for a while. And I'm going to share with you how important it is to be a trustee as a prisoner. You're being trusted with the lives of other people. It may not seem like it, but but you are. You're making sure that the other inmates get the food as it comes in and that somebody's not stealing from them. You're making sure that, that they're able to get from their uh, origin to, to wherever it is that they're destined to go to within that prison because you're transporting them. There's a great responsibility that they have been given. And Joseph was given that responsibility. And one day, this is what happened. Outside of that prison, Pharaoh had two people on his staff, a cupbearer and a baker, and they did something, and we don't know what it was they did, but they did something to offend the king, and they cast him in prison. The same prison that held Joseph. And instead of looking at the needs of someone else, when I'm assuming he too felt a need because he wasn't where he wanted to be at the time. He recognized their need and met it. See Joseph come through one day and he, he sees the, the baker and the cupbearer and he, he sees that they're down and out and he asked What's happened? And what happened was this, both of them that night had a dream and they didn't understand the dream and they were concerned about the dream. And Joseph said, Well tell me about the dream and let me help you And this is what he said. He said to the cupbearer, your dream, uh represented by well, the cupbearer said he dreamed about uh some vines. And from the grapevines, three branches grew, and then from the three branches, the grapes produced. And then he took the grapes, and he squeezed grapes into Pharaoh's cup. And and, and Joseph interpreted to mean this: that in three days, or within three days, Pharaoh is going to call you out of this prison, and he is going to reinstate you to your service. That once again, you will be given the honor of serving your king. And the baker shared his dream where he said that he was um, working and he had a basket of baked goods and they were on his head and the birds came down and and, and ate all the, the baked goods. And Joseph was faced with something difficult. He had to tell the guy the truth about his dream. And he said to the baker, ultimately, That within three days, Pharaoh is going to put you to death. And that says a lot to us about visions and the fulfillment of them. And let me hit just on these three things. First thing we learn is that even when Joseph was in an environment that he did not want to be in, he still served God. He still did his job. That when my today doesn't look like what I want my tomorrow to look like, he remained faithful because he knew that God was faithful to worked in circumstance to bring him out of the uncomfortableness and into the glory. He shared the good news to the cupbearer that, that you're going to be set free and that you're going to be restored to life. And that is the easy message. But the, the difficult message that we find as Christians is this. We are people of truth and we have to tell the truth. And Joseph set that example for us when he went to the baker and he said, Pharaoh's going to put you to death. It's part of life. No doctor can tell you that death isn't coming for you when he sees that. He has to tell you the truth. And if we as Christians want to move forward in our walk, then we have to be honest. I tell people all the time, talk to me. If I do something to offend, talk to me, because I don't know without you t- not telling me. Like Joseph, I can see the expression on your face, but, but then I can only assume what it's about. But me, just like you, there are times when it is our duty, our responsibility to share with people news that that they don't want to hear. If we didn't, then we would be liars. I ask you, maybe not all of you, but some of you, what is your vision? What does it look like? Some of you tell me that I don't know. But you do have a vision. You don't recognize it. because of the way you perceive it. When I came to God and he called me to service, the vision was broad. And it was simply go and serve. And that scared me because it meant I had to change the way I live and I had to change the way I work and I have to change the way I listen to and communicate to people. Sometimes when we start looking at the vision that God puts for us, we look at it with fear instead of anticipation. And that's why Proverbs says that for the word of God, they are life to those who find them and health to one's body. Because God's word tells us this, not to take upon thyself the spirit of fear, for fear is of this world. It is not of the kingdom of God. And when we start looking at the vision that that God puts before us, without fear, but but with hope and anticipation, We find a reason to be excited. We find a reason to get up the next morning. Joseph told the cupbearer, When you get to Pharaoh, remember me. Please remember me because I have been wrongfully imprisoned here. Help me get out. So you see, where he was at wasn't necessarily a comfortable place. But it was a place he knew he belonged. And it was a place God had intended him to be. We put forward our best plan. And we give it to God and say, God, do this for us. God says your plan is not my plan. He says it this way in Scripture, that that my thoughts are not your thoughts and my ways are not your ways. God doesn't say to us, us, I'm going to trust in you. He says to us, you, my people, my children, trust in me. Your vision is good. It's broad. And that's the thing about visions. They're broad. They lack detail. And life, as we experience it day by day, fills in the details of that vision. But you do it by trusting in God. Even when it doesn't benefit you at the moment, we try to do what's right and move forward walking with God. He was imprisoned and he has this vision of of she standing up and his brothers bowing down before him. What does it say to us? It says he has to trust somebody with his vision because he can't do it. He's in prison. He's locked. No way to move. And it says that his vision really doesn't seem to be something that would be fulfillable. Think about it. A stalk or a, a, a bound she stands up and the other ones bow before it. That's his vision if he took it literal. I'm to say that t- to say this. Vision is broad and when fulfilled may not look like in reality what you think it looks like here and here on the path to fulfillment. Because in the fulfillment of that vision, this is what happened. In that moment of time when Joseph was down and out in despair, he told the cupbearer, tell Pharaoh to come get me. I'm not here for something I did, I'm here for something I didn't do. The cupbearer forgot to tell Pharaoh until some two years later. Two years later, he remembered, oh, wait a minute, because Pharaoh's got dreams of himself that, that he wants interpreted, and nobody can do it, but the cupbearer finally remembers two years later. Oh, yeah, there's this guy in prison down here. His name is Joseph. Let me tell you what he did for me. It's remarkable, isn't it? being in a place that he didn't want to be in, that he wanted out of, to meet a person that he helped along the way, that he helped to inspire, that that moved on with with his life and dream while while he's still down here where he didn't want to be. Just so that in that moment of time, he can say to Pharaoh, there's your answer right there. And long story short, I know I'm getting long today. Pharaoh pulled him out of that prison. He interpreted Pharaoh's dreams, and he made Joseph the person in charge of his land. Joseph was the only person that had the authority that he had next to Pharaoh, a prisoner. The one that we said, isn't going to do it, can't do it, not going to make it, stop wasting your time, don't listen to God, don't follow your vision, didn't give up, did not circumvent the circumstances, did not try to manipulate the circumstances in his way, lived a life of holiness and righteousness even when time was not on his favor and trusted in God to fulfill that vision. And that is exactly what God did. So I I say that to you, all this, for this reason. You have a vision. You may not recognize it right now, but you do. Because I hear it from you when I talk to you. I see it. And there's no reason to give up. And there's no reason to quit. Do you ever stop to think sometimes that maybe what God is trying to do is to see how much tenacity you have? Maybe God wants to know that that in the circumstances that he presented to you on your way to fulfill his vision in your life, he wants to know, are you willing to fight for it? Are you willing to stand up for it? Are you willing to come before man and say I don't care what you say I will follow my God where he goes. Here's what I'm getting at. I can't put a calling on you. Even if I if I see a person and I see that they have a calling, I can offer my insight, but I can't put that calling on you. Only God himself can do that. And when he does, Are you going to come forward and answer that call? Because that's the beginning of your vision. Or are you going to say, I can't do it because my family won't let me. I I can't do it because I have to give up something that I already know and I can't do it because well, I just don't know if I can do it. can't do it because I'm scared of what somebody else is going to say about me. But when God calls and that person takes the opportunity to move forward, even when they're told that they can't, God is empowering them to move toward the fulfillment of their vision. because nobody can stop you or me except me. God helps when He gives me His Word. God helps when when His Spirit empowers me. And God helps when He gives me encouragement from outside. But it is my duty to act on what God calls me to do. It's a relationship. So let me end with this. I promise you I won't go no further. God has a wonderful, wonderful plan for you. As individuals, as a community, as a church, families but change and progress only happen when we fulfill our duty and this is the important thing to remember part of our duty is to understand that the people around us are not perfect We all do things and say things. Sometimes in the manner that we shouldn't. But we do justice. Excuse me. Do justly and love mercy and walk humbly with our God. You can fulfill your vision God has provided he has helped what duty is he calling you to Let's pray. Father God, we come before you today. We, we begin to close our service and thank you for the words that you've given us. And Father God, as we look to our future, regardless of who we are, where we are, what it is that we're looking toward, help us to remember that, that these stories that we read in the scripture are not just stories. They are a testimony to who you are as a God, and to how you have worked in the lives of those people that we have encouragement, that we know the truth about how you work in life. And as we hear the stories of of present day, of how you act in people's lives, help us to to see that, that those stories are just as real today as they were then because the God who provided, the God who called then is still the God who calls and provides and acts today. Help us to rejoice in in whatever our circumstances is, knowing because you are already present in our present time and in our future place that you already have a plan intact. And help us, Father God, to be merciful with one another as we execute your will for our lives. Share with us, Father, a vision of, of hope and inspiration. Show us, Father God, in our hearts and minds who we are today, where we are today, and where you would have us go tomorrow. Help us to strive to be pleasing to you, to accomplish those goals. In Christ's name, we pray. Amen. You want to praise you and thank you. Praise you. Amen. Amen.